uh, if it's your own voice and you record it and then you you know you play it, uh, that's that's a different you know it's yeah, not that bad. It's still you singing. It's not like she. It's not like she can't sing. And I was reading about Aretha Franklin, you know, the, the Queen of Soul. Yeah. She was saying that she wishes she had done that four years ago when Obama was first uh, in the first inauguration, and basically she said that, you know, with the, that type of weather that they were in is bad for a singer's voice. So that's probably why she did it. She's not Milli Vanilli, folks. So no, get over it. Definitely not. She's like I said, she's talented. Regardless of what you may think of her and her husband, she's got talent. And then we we didn't even touch upon it last week because we had uh, limited time with a soccer game and two action-packed guests. But this whole Manti Teo, I know it's a week old now. I know it's a week old now, but uh, who do you believe, sir? Do you believe he was hoaxed, or do you believe he was part of the hoax? I don't... Honestly, I just... I don't get it. I don't... I don't understand why this is such a big deal. I mean, I, or I get that he's, you know, Notre Dame, et cetera, et cetera. He's a good football player. Hell, people are talking about the Giants would go after him. But, you know, it's difficult to understand because what I read today, there was some stuff going on. They spoke to the woman who was not a part of the hoax, but the woman whose pictures were used. And Manti Taylor admitted to Katie Couric that he, he uh, lied a little bit about it. Like, I don't understand what this kid's problem is. I don't know what anybody's problem is. I don't know why anybody would want to invent this stuff or, or make this stuff up. It's just so pointless. It's just beyond, beyond. It's stupid. It's absolutely stupid, sir. No, I agree with you. And, um... The only reason why I ask it's it's football related. <laughs> There's no way the Giants, an organization that's so classy like the Giants, would ever go for a guy like Manti Teo. Well, you have to understand too, sir. As far as I mean, he would fit in perfect with the Jets, by the way. Yeah. As far as him, um, in the New York media market, that's going to be a problem. If he were to come here, sir, that would be a major problem. I I believe personally, because there's still going to be that scrutiny. I mean, you know, look at Tim Tebow. Everybody loves the guy, and they turned on him like. Uh, as quickly as can be. Now everyone's ripping him for his religious whatnot, but it was the same stuff they were praising last year. It's just this is a very fickle market and these fickle people. The people in Newark know what I'm talking about. It's a good segue. You mentioned Tim Tebow. We might as well get the Jets out of the way. They made news. They hired a general manager, Mr. Idzik, I guess, from the Seattle Seahawks. Have you ever heard of this guy before? Wasn't he? Wasn't he a manager of yours over at uh, at uh, your your day job or agency <laughs> or something? Yeah. I mean, like I said, uh, nobody's ever heard of the guy. He was not sought out by any other team in the NFL, but the Jets felt like he was going to be their man to be the general manager. And let's face it, folks, I mean, from what you hear, the guy is a cap guy. He has no idea about personnel. He wants to dab into personnel. But the, the real question is, is uh, and it's an obvious question, is that when it comes to picking somebody at the draft, I mean, is this guy going to rely on Rex Ryan if he does? You're, you're in trouble, sir. I, I, trouble. You know, we had this conversation yesterday, and we were going nuts with each other, and et cetera, et cetera, um, ripping each other like we always do uh, on a personal level. But you root for three garbage organizations, and I honestly don't understand how you do it. When I look at the Jets, we talked about this briefly a couple of weeks ago when the whole you know fiasco was announced. Right. The fact that they're forcing the general manager, this guy who was we don't even never heard of him before, they're forcing him to keep the the uh, you know incumbent coach or whatever you want to call it, the head coach, that's such a problem, and it's the reason the Jets have to hire somebody nobody's ever heard of. They didn't go to hire some stud GM, which is probably what they need. You know, look at Sandy Alderson. Say what you want, but it seems like he has a plan with the Mets, and the ownership has backed off. I think you would agree with that. You know, he's made some good trades, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe he's limited in terms of money, but look at the Jets on the other hand. The Jets, again, this is an organization that has some history, an organization that it's in the New York market. But they've hired some, some bum guy that no one's ever heard of. And who, who knows, maybe John Insick will, will do a good job. 
But they didn't, they couldn't get a real big time general manager in here because no GM is going to want to come in here and say you're forced to, to hold on to the head coach that that was here who's been presiding over losing for the past couple of years. I know this might sound like it's over analyzing, but sir, my my opinion is, and if you think about this, is that they have a press conference here tomorrow Friday to introduce the general manager. Yeah, if, I think it's tomorrow. If Rex Ryan is at that press conference, then that'll tell you right then and there that he had some um, some part in selecting this general manager. I don't think he should be there, honestly, because this general manager needs to make decisions on his own. He needs to assess Rex Ryan as the general manager next year. If Rex Ryan has a bad year, like we said, one in fifteen, then he's gotta fire him. If he's at this if he you know what's gonna happen, sir. They're gonna ask him the question. They're gonna ask Idzig the question. They're gonna ask him if Rex Ryan has a bad year next year, is his job on the line? And if Rex Ryan is at the press conference, what's he gonna say? Um that's something that we'll have to discuss in the off season. I think regardless, I get, I get your point, and I'm not knocking it, but I think regardless whether Rex is there or not, he, that's going to be his answer to the question. You know, we're going to have to evaluate it, we're going to have to look at it, we're going to talk about it. I mean, unless you're saying Rex is going to be behind him pulling the puppet strings, literally, um, I mean, he's going to say that no matter what. The question is going to be asked, but he's not going to say, hey, yeah, he's gonna, we're going to fire his beat. He's going to say, well, you know, we have to evaluate that, we have to look at this, uh, I have to uh, talk to Woody, oh, wait, um, Woody Johnson gets players forced on him, uh, I'll call Rex and see what he thinks. I mean, should he be fired? Should he not be fired? I just think the Jets are such a backwards organization. I mean, you're a fan of this team, which, of course, you are. It, it's got to be a little worrisome, sir. <laughs> More than worrisome, sir. Um, it's hard to put up with uh, mediocrity. And the funny thing is, going into this year, um, I knew that the offense wasn't going to be as good as it was in years past with, you know, Mark Sanchez not having the same wide receivers. I knew that the defense was okay. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't believe Rex Ryan's, um, you know, Woody Johnson crack pipe. The fact that he had the best, this was his best team ever. I mean, the best team ever, and the team went six and ten. So I knew that the, the team had problems. Stop smoking the Woody Johnson crack pipe. Yes, please. Please. Uh, but anyway, the team went six and ten, and I knew that Sanchez would struggle. I didn't know he would completely fall apart. I didn't know that Tebow was going to be somebody that was going to be a thorn in his side all year. The Jets let this blow way out of proportion where uh, a, a backup quarterback was having press conferences. No backup quarterback ever has press conferences. The Jets allowed this circus, and it, it starts from the top. Woody Johnson, um, you're smoking your own crack pipe, obviously. So the Jets have a lot of problems, not just uh, with their team on the field, just uh, in general. So it's sad, sir. It's sad. Um it's a sad, sloppy state of affairs, sir. It sure is. So, segueing that into football, we uh, the good stuff. We well, no, the, the, that was garbage. Now we'll oh, talk about some football. Okay. okay. <laughs> we I just want to make sure we're we talking about that. We have our two participants for Super Bowl 47, 48, 47. We have the San, the San Francisco 49ers against the Atlanta Falcons. Let's look at the championship games as they played in chronological order. The one o'clock game, sir, or the three o'clock game, sir, was San Frank against Atlanta. You right there, sir? And I'm all choked up. Anyway, so you had the San Francisco 49ers. Basically, uh, before the game even got started, sir, the the Niners were down 17 nothing at you know on the road to Atlanta, a team that just had got their monkey off their back, beating the Seattle Seahawks. I guess the the Atlanta Falcons' first win under uh, Coach Smith and um, what's his name, Matt Ryan. So they get that through, and they're up 17 nothing, sir, and I feel like the game is getting out of control, especially, you know, a team like San Fran. If you're down 17 nothing on the road, I, I, you know, you don't really expect to come back and win the game. But slowly but surely, there's a, 
San Fran, you know, with their offense with Kaepernick, and finally, you know, Jim Harbaugh is vindicated uh, for taking Alex Smith out and putting Kaepernick in. I know that he had a great game against the, the Packers last week, but he did that a lot running. This time, sir, in the pocket, he had a really good game, and the Niners were able to pull it out against a Falcon team that, let's let's face it, is quite soft, and they've always been soft, even when they do get the one seed. You're right, and you know when you look at the when you look at the 49ers, of course we talk about this all the time. How your your wife is a big fan, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Let me ask you, when you look at the Falcons, I mean, all right, they got the win now, but now Matt Ryan is one four in the playoffs. Playoffs? I mean, do you think that? Uh, I mean, does he still have that proverbial monkey? I, I realize you just said that he didn't, but um, you know, as a knowledgeable host that you are. How would you analyze his career so far in the playoffs? Playoffs? Well, I, I look at the game um, against the Niners this past week, and they're up 17 nothing. The Niners make it 17-14, and at the half, you think that it's going to be 17-14. But Matt Ryan, right before the half is over, sir, takes the team down and scores another touchdown, and at the half, it's 24-14. At that point, you know, uh, I think he's answered a lot of critics. He's come back. He took his team back and up uh, 10 points. I just think that this defense was soft all year. Um, and uh, the Niners exposed them for, you know, the, the Niners really showed that they're the better team in the second half. You had a couple things that I thought were going to really uh, play into the Falcons' hands. There's a chance where the Niners had a chance to, to tie the game with a field goal, and Mr. Uh, what's his name? Mr. Akers, you know? Yeah, David Akers. Yeah, Dave Akers misses a field goal. He hits the post, and his reaction, if you saw it, sir, was one of a dejected, like, I'm going to kill myself after this game. He missed a field goal type thing. I'm starting to wonder if the, the Niners don't go out and try to look for a kicker between now and the Super Bowl because this guy's confidence is totally shot. So they miss a field goal and I think that I'm starting to think that maybe the Falcons are going to win this game because they had a shot to tie the game. Anyway, the Niners come back and basically... <laughs> Yeah, thank you. The Niners come back and they they're able to take the lead against the Falcons and that that shows me a lot, especially on the road. A team like that with a defense like that and and now Kaepernick playing the way he is, um they're on their way to the Super Bowl and the Falcons again, disappointment in that organization, a one seed again losing, but they they made it to the championship game this year, so I guess you can't, you know, get on them that much, but they they do get to the championship game. They do lose to the Niners, which I felt was the better team anyway. Uh, I thought that the Niners were the better team going into this game, sir. So um, other plays that you know you, you got to see that um, the just the San Francisco defense really stepped up in the second half. They left no points in the second half, and we'll get to the other team, the other championship game. But sir, right. how impressive is that for the, like the Niners on the road? to love no points in the second half in Atlanta. That is impressive. Um, you know, and again, when you when you look at the overall uh, the game, like you said, no points in the second half. It, you know, the, the Niners are for real. They almost made it last year. The Giants barely made it in. And I think this is the year for the 49ers. Honestly, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I just don't see the Ravens beating them. Um, obviously, I'm not a fan of Ray Lewis, and I don't want them to win, but that's neither here nor there. I just think that the, the Niners are strong. They, Kaepernick seems to be a better quarterback than Alex Smith. He's got, you know, he can run. He's got a better arm. The only, the only thing that would worry me, if I was a Florida Niners fan, would be how, how is he going to hold up long term because of the running? Because running quarterbacks never, ever, 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 ever. No, I agree with you. And 
like I said, last week, uh, Kaepernick beat the Falcons with his arm. Uh, so that was impressive. It's not all about running like um, – I guess RG3 won't be running as much as he will anymore with that operation that's scheduled with his, uh, you know, the MCL or ACL. Um, but you look at the other game, the like you mentioned, the Ravens against the Patriots, another team that, you know, won their first home game in the playoffs this year but then was able to go into Denver – beat Peyton Manning and the, the one-seeded Broncos, and then come back and play the Patriots. And let's face it, sir, last year the this Ravens team could have beat the Patriots too. They should have beat the Patriots. And they should have. If Billy Cundiff doesn't blow that, that kick. Well, even the, the the play before that, there's a play in the end zone where Evans should have caught a touchdown. They would have taken the lead. Isn't it interesting, sir, when you look at the Super Bowl this year, both teams could have one one play away. Both teams could have been in the Super Bowl last year, and instead they both lost, and now here they are. Like what are the? I'd like to know if this. How many times has it happened? If it's ever happened before, where the teams who lost the previous AFC and NFC championship games ended up in the Super Bowl the following year? It might be the first time. So you know the Ravens, they did the same exact thing that the Niners did to the Falcons. They they basically shut out the Patriots in the second half in New England. And let's face it, the New England Patriots have the best offense in the league, right. and they were able to shut them down. That that's a sign of a good defense, or a really damn good defense. Absolutely right. I mean. The problem with the the problem with the Ravens is the fact that uh, Ray Lewis has uh, what six kids with four wives. <laughs> Just found out. Sorry. Yeah, well, I found out earlier this week with uh, the wife of Wes Walker who was tweeting that. Well, you, you gotta love when the, these people take pot shots at each other. By the way, you do. So you have the Ravens. Uh, basically, you know, the the Patriots were in command of the first the first half. Right. Um, they go down at right before the half though. The Patriots have a chance to score a touchdown. The, there's a mismanagement of time somehow. Bill Belichick became Rex Ryan, and uh, Tom Brady became Mark Sanchez because they blew about 30 seconds off the clock. I think you mean Herm Edwards, sir. Oh, Herm Edwards, right. So they have to kick a field goal, and the score is 13-7 at the half instead of 17-7. Um, 17-7, being up two scores. So the, I, I think the Ravens take that as a you know vote of confidence in the second half, and they come out. And Joe Flacco, this guy has – I think now more wins on the road in the playoffs than any other, t- any other quarterback in history. So he might not be elite yet because he hasn't won uh, a Super Bowl, sir. But Joe Flacco really won that game for the, the, the Ravens on Sunday. Well, when you go back a couple weeks ago with the Broncos, I mean, his arm, that bomb that he threw over the ridiculous safeties and the quarterbacks of the, the Broncos, that ridiculous throw, I mean, that throw won, won the game basically. Yes, of course. Later on, Peyton goes and throws an interception. But if he doesn't make that throw, if he if he doesn't have the gun to make that ridiculous throw, he he's done. You know, we'd be talking probably about Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl right now. So before we introduce what we're everyone's calling already, obviously the Harbaugh, uh, Jim against John. We'll, we'll talk about that in a few. But you look at the team like the Patriots. We've discussed the Falcons. Yeah, they're a soft team. But now you look at the 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 Patriots, sir. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. Um, does this team, does this tandem ever win another Super Bowl or even make it back to a Super Bowl? I think they might make it to another Super Bowl or two. I don't know if this team ever wins it. Their defense is so shoddy that if Tom Brady has a, a game that he's slightly off, they lose. And look what happened on Sunday. They a slightly off game. I think that they probably will go to the Super Bowl again. Like I said this, you know, earlier this week off the air, I didn't want them to go to the Super Bowl because I didn't want them to win. And I want the Giants. I didn't want them to lose because I want the Giants to be the only team to have defeated the great quote unquote Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. But 
if they had gone, they probably would have lost to the Niners, and I wouldn't like that at all. So that that's my only reasoning for that. But they'll probably go back into the Super Bowl, you know, one more time. I mean, hell, they've been to the Super Bowl six times. How many times have they close to the Super Bowl? It, it's the amount of success they've had is ridiculous. Uh, sorry, they have been to the Super Bowl five times. The amount of success they've had is ridiculous. So odds are probably, um, but you never know. I mean, somebody can get injured. You, you just never know with this team. But they have, they definitely have the good to go back to the uh, the big game. And it's funny because if he was my coach, uh, I would have no problem with it because uh, I'll be honest, sir, I'm a sore loser. But of course, uh, they're, too. they're making a big deal about this whole Bill Belichick not coming out and talking to the media afterwards. I mean, the guy lost. He's like. What's he supposed to say if they came out? It's like, what, you what? know what? I don't like Bill Belichick. The reason I don't like him personally is because I always hated the way he treated uh, treated Eric Mangini when uh, Mangini was the coach here. I just thought that was so disrespectful, blowing him off. I mean, he should have just like, snuffed him and, and punched him in the face. That's all that was left. Well, Bill Belichick is how most people are in real life. He's a sore loser. You know, he would do stuff that we would do, but the problem is that people expect more of him because he's in the spotlight. And I mean, I get that, but the truth of the matter is that when you when you look at the resume, he's always been that way. That's the kind of guy that he is, so this shouldn't surprise anybody. He's terrible with the media. He just doesn't care. He's not there to be anybody's friend, and, you know, he just does whatever he wants. And does it surprise anybody? Absolutely not. I honestly don't know why it's such a big deal because it's not like it's, like if uh, if Rex Ryan did something like this, I think it would be a big deal because Rex is such a, you know, attention hog. Right. But Bill Belichick is not like that. No, and speaking of Rex Ryan, by the way, did you hear he got into a car accident? Yeah, I heard he was okay. When I read that, you know, obviously I was worried about his concern for his health. The first thing you see is a Rex Ryan car accident, but he was uninjured. And hopefully nobody else was injured. <laughs> Rex making headlines. Once again, the Jets making headlines. Of course. So you have the Super Bowl, sir. You have the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> exactly. You have the Jet, the Niners against the, the Ravens in the Super Bowl, the Harbaugh, brother against brother. It's got to be interesting in that family, in that household. Oh, of course. I mean, do they go to the game? Do they not go to the game? I don't think they go to the game. I think they you got to go to the game. you got to see who's going to win. I mean, as a parent, I guess you'd be happy for either kid, right? <laughs> right. I mean, at this point, I guess they might root for the older brother because he's older. I, I don't know, John Harbaugh. As opposed to being younger? As opposed to being younger because the younger could get back there again. I don't know. Um... So the Super Bowl that wasn't last year is this year. Uh, two great defenses. That's so amazing. It didn't even hit me until you said it five minutes ago. That that blows my mind. What? The fact that these two teams were a play away from making it both to the World the World Series, <laughs> making it to the Super Bowl last year. That's insane. It's got to be one of, if not the first times that's ever happened. Yep, and yeah, you got brother versus brother. You got two good teams. I mean, we can break it down. Obviously, we have two weeks to talk. We don't have two weeks about it, but we can talk, break it down next week or the week after. <coughs> we'll have to break it down next week, actually. The Super Bowl is on February 3rd. <laughs> yeah. So um, so we don't have to get into that. The one thing that I'm, I am disappointed is that PG had a remote last year at Whole Foods Market, and we won't be doing a remote this year, unfortunately, for the Super Bowl. Yeah, unfortunately, because apparently uh, Bill Belichick's fans are also sore losers and don't want us to go, but that's neither here nor there. Sir, uh, is there anything else football related? Because there's one thing I'd like to get to before, and this is going to be odd, but one thing I want to get to before we get to our first guest and, uh, of course, the, the halfway point of the first hour. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk more about the Super Bowl next week. We'll, we'll make our predictions. We'll do some in-depth analysis. I will. Yeah, um, you will, because <laughs> I'll pick the 49ers win. And Joe Montana will get another title. That, that's as far as I go. Yeah, the one, the one thing I also want to mention that, you know, uh, breaking down the football, um, the football talk would have been Todd. 
who's not here. He would have been here. Yeah, of course. Todd has this aversion to meeting me, folks. I don't know what it is. And for those of you in Newark who have no idea what we're talking about, or maybe you're a first-time listener, Todd was our update guy for a very long time, actually. And uh, unfortunately, we had to fire him because he became unreliable due to some personal issues and stuff that he went through. And this is like the second or third time Todd and I were supposed to meet. And I've talked to Todd. You would think that we're, we're good friends, but I've never met the guy. And it's the second time he abandoned ship uh, coming out here to the studio or to the uh, aforementioned Whole Foods uh, PG special. So you, so you listen to our first, what, 90 shows, you'll realize that we weren't in the same room either. So it's uh, apropos that you never met Todd. Of course. Well, it's, it's only perfect. It, it would only make sense that I meet him on the final day of our show. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> then Todd, of course, uh, just fades off into the sunset. So what do you have uh, before we go to 630? I want to talk about this whole Hillary Clinton Benghazi thing. Now, I know that we were both working, but um, my coworker had it on. I'm listening to it. And the reason I bring this up is because anybody who follows politics knows that all politicians are full of crap. That's just the way that it is. I don't think there's an honest one among the bunch. I read yesterday, actually, that Chris Christie is pretty popular. Is pretty popular um, in the New Jersey area, and a lot of people want him to. Um, that he's going to win the governorship again by landslide, supposedly. And the poll, the inquest polls they do have said that he's, you know, running away with it. And also, Cory Booker, who's the mayor of Newark, is is very popular on the Democratic side, and he's probably going to end up going for a congressional seat or something to that effect. <coughs> but I look at politics, and, you know, again, I'm Republican, I vote Republican. Um, I wouldn't classify myself as a hard line, you know, all the way, although I've never voted Democrat, and I probably can't imagine I ever will. But when I look at this whole Benghazi thing, this this happened months ago. Hillary Clinton he fell, got a concussion, and her brain fell out, whatever the case is. So they've been pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. And then today they're they're uh, you know she's testifying before Congress. Now I'm listening to these phony jabroni, baloney, scum sucking, moose turd uh, congressmen and senators and stuff. The Democrats are kissing her around like they want to make out with her. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, one of them didn't ask her on a date because they were just all, you know, Senator Clinton, it's great to have you back. Yeah, all right, she, she's okay. That, that's good. But then they're, like, oh, you know, they're lauding her, her accomplishments, and we know that nobody has done this and the eggs and blah, 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 and, you you know, you've been wonderful. I mean, is, is that really the time to play partisan politics? You want to find out if her and the Obama administration, which I don't see how there's any doubt or anybody thinks that they didn't mess up, and they didn't blow this whole Benghazi thing with, the you know, the senator dying and everything else, um... When you look at when you look at the situation and she's testifying before Congress, Rand Paul was tearing her a new one. I thought he made some amazing points, but the Democrats were all kissing her fanny. Even our buddy Bob Menendez from here in New Jersey, they're all kissing her fanny and trying to point out things that the other side has done wrong. That's not what you're there for. You're not there to play partisan politics. You're there to find out what happened. And they were saying that she didn't read, you know, the paper she was supposed to read. And they were on, you know, Rand Paul was saying this. And they were un, unprepared. They're called cables. Uh, they're unprepared. And this happened. That, you know, people should have been fired. She should have been relieved of her post, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, you know, the, the it breaks perfectly down party lines, and that's what bothers me. That's the problem with this country. It's this two-party system. We need, we need people to say, you know what, I'm, I have my beliefs. I'm going with this, X, Y, and Z. But if you're wrong and you're on my side, I'm going to call you out on it. And if you're on the other side, you know, that's fine. Call, they should call each other out. But that doesn't happen. They stick together when it comes to stuff like this, and it's wrong, and it upsets me to no end, sir. That's the problem with the, the country. That's the problem with politics, sir, is that things never get resolved because no matter how wrong you are, your party, your party will probably support you unless 
you know, that you're up for an election and you don't want to have bad press, then at that point, obviously, you're not going to side with Hillary Clinton. I am glad I didn't listen or watch or, or anything with that whole thing that happened today because I would have probably been uh, flipping out about it because, let's face it, she was at fault. The Obama administration was at fault. And rarely do we talk about politics on Pure Gold, maybe just with the presidential election. But, sir, like, even Obama's speech on Monday about equal rights, uh, you know, I don't know, I, maybe I shouldn't get into it, but that whole equal rights for, you know, who uh, was just, like, asinine, I don't know what to tell you. Well, everything, I mean, I just, I, honestly, I don't know what, why people are, are fans of uh, Obama and, you know, whatever, it is what it is, you're going to sit there and say, you know, you're a Democrat, that's fine. But it really hasn't done anything for this country. But fast forward and moving past that, um, what you just said, sir, it, it, it was asinine. Why? Because he didn't even feel that way. When he got elected the first term, he didn't support gay rights. And then all of a sudden, his opinion, quote-unquote, evolved. His opinion didn't evolve. His viewpoint to get votes evolved. He said himself, if I don't get the job done in four years, I don't deserve re-election. Well, you know what? He didn't deserve re-election because he didn't get the job done. And then flipping that also, he said... I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. Now all of a sudden his daughter says, you know, Daddy, uh, that's wrong. Oh, yeah, you know what? She's right. I mean, it's when your parents, when some kids tell their parents how to think. That's what I don't understand. And now that, you know, the gay community, the, the liberal community, they're all supporting him. They're loving him. But I don't get why those people don't say, wait, you know, this guy's a phony because he didn't even support us a couple of years. Now all of a sudden he supports us right before the election. That's what bugs me. If he had done that, you know, two years in, all right, fine. But the fact that he did it, he flipped it right before the election, that's what gets me. And I don't understand how the other side of the aisle, the Democrats who vote for him, how they don't see that. Me either. And, um, you know, this whole Benghazi thing with Clinton, I, I think if there's any uh, positive that comes out of it is that I think she cost herself a chance to run for president in four years, and I think she'd be a horrendous president. Well, people were saying today that, you know, uh, I know Republicans are saying on Twitter how they should show people what she's like and blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, of course, uh, I was referring to Ambassador Chris Stevens. I said, Senator, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Forgive me. But when he got murdered, you know, at the Benghazi consulate, uh, people were saying today on Twitter that this cost her the election, but I believe that people are still going to vote for her. People are still going to like her. People are still going to, you know, want her because there's sycophants out there who just support these people no matter what. And that's what I don't understand. That's the part that gets you about, about politics. The politicians are full of it, but it's the regular people that get me. Why are they so obsessed with these politicians? And another thing, before we – I see I'm throwing this out there. You know how much is the United States Senator makes? I was looking this up. They, before Obama gave him a raise, these guys are averaging about $175,000 a year. How is, why do these people make so much money? Why do these people make so much money? What do they do? I don't know. My mic cut out there for a second. That's okay. uh, apparently Obama you know, is cutting that. Nelson is, is a Democrat. But they make a, all this money. They're talking about poverty all over the country. You know what? They should cut their salaries. And, you know, if they're serious about helping the economy, every single one of them should cut their salaries in half. That would generate millions of dollars in revenue. Because there's like 450-something uh, representatives or whatever the case is, have them all cut their salary because they don't do anything anyway. They're public servants who don't do crap. And then put that back into social fund, you know, funding, social security, um, social programs or whatever the case is. It makes me sick. Sir, you know, it pisses me off and it drives me up a wall. And you honestly, sir, you just don't know how I feel about that. You make us all sick. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> But, sir, I mean, I know this is going to sound extreme, but uh, you're going to laugh at this comment, but I think the only way this country will ever change, maybe this world will ever change, is if we ever have, like, a natural disaster of epic proportions or... Like in the movies where, you yeah. know, the 
countries are cut across, and right. you know the United States has to move to Mexico or something like that. Something has to happen. Like so Judgment Day or yes. 2012. Something has to happen so extreme, or else politics will always be or politics. The day after tomorrow. Or yeah, you're right, and that, that's the sick part about it, sir. But it's 6:30. We're gonna have our guests in a minute. We're gonna have to switch gears, of course. And uh, I believe you have a spot to read for us, sir. So do that, and then we'll move on with some more uh, little sound bites here, sir. Thank you, sir. For the finest Portuguese and Spanish cuisine. Folks, we have two great places for you. The Iberia Restaurants in Newark, New Jersey, and the Iberia Tavern, well, no, the, the Iberia Tavern and the Iberia Peninsula, one on 80 Ferry Street in Newark, and the other one only down the block, 63 Ferry Street in Newark. Phone number of the Iberia Tavern is 973-344-7603. Iberia Peninsula is 973-344-5611. They are two restaurants with fine dining, two restaurants with the freshest seafood, the oldest Portuguese and Spanish taverns in the community, serving the best food since 1926, before the Internet. Cater your next <laughs> event with Iberia Restaurants. There's free parking. I believe you're giving them your keys. They give you a ticket. Free parking, sir. Visit their websites at www.iberiarestaurants.com. That's a big thing because parking here in Newark is so insanely horrible. <laughs> it's true. Um, but, you know, you read that spot better than most people read spots. Not as good as me, of course. Of course. I listen to guys like Mike and those other guys reading these spots on the radio, and they sound terrible. Live from 1640 AM Ironbound Radio in Newark, New Jersey, it's Pure Gold with your host, David and Joe. Thank you, Anna. And folks, we are joined by Miss New Jersey USA 2013, and it's only fitting because we've been talking about Chris Christie and uh, Cory Booker and all these different guys from New Jersey and Bob Menendez. We're joined by Lee Bell Duran. And uh, Lee Bell, we thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing this evening? Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. It's such a pleasure to be speaking to you both. And thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, uh, of course, you know, again, we, we were mentioning some things going on here in New Jersey, and uh, you being Miss New Jersey and being the reigning Miss New Jersey uh, USA, tell us a bit about that. I mean, what was it like for you when you, when you, of course, you're on the stage and, you know, you do your thing and you find out that you, you won and you're representing your state? Now, I'm not sure. Are you originally, uh, are you from New Jersey? Do you live in New Jersey? Yes, I am from New Jersey, born and raised in Pretamboy, now I live in KSB. Um, when I won uh, this year, it was a dream come true. I competed last year with Michelle Leonardo, and I was first runner-up. So when I was oh, wow. there holding hands, yeah, when I was there holding hands and I said my name, I cried. I, oh, my God, it was so, so magical. I, I couldn't believe it. Wow. And, you know, it's funny, we actually had Michelle on our show like a, a little more than a year ago. So the fact that then she goes and crowns you this year, because, you know, with all the other mm-hmm. presents of the previous title holder, what was that like? It was amazing. I even told her, I was like, uh, Michelle, get ready. You're going to crown me. I'm going to prepare as much as I can, and I'm going for Miss New Jersey. But it was really nice. It was so. It was a magical experience, and I'll never forget that day. Wow. Let's start from the beginning, LaBelle. Uh, what made you want to go into beauty pageants? What, I mean, what was the motivation all behind it? Well, I've been competing in the pageant since the age of 17, but what motivated me a lot uh, to get into pageants was when Amela Vega won uh, Miss Universe 2003. I don't know, like, I was like, wow, like, if she could do it, then I could do it. So I did my first pageant at the age of 17. I won, and then from there on, I've been doing pageants until now. What would you say, because I I love this question, what would you say is the best thing about uh, being in beauty pageants, and what, what's something that people that really don't know about beauty pageants, give us a, 
some uh, PG exclusive. Tell us some things that people don't really know about beauty pageants. Well, you know, there's many stereotypes about pageants and stuff like that, and people say that pageant girls are stupid, but we're, we're not really. Um, what really helped me was it gave me more uh, self-confidence, uh, more security, and um, also, like, being um, having a voice, you know, having a voice to be heard of the things that you that you want to do. So I, it's, it's helped me a lot. Wow, that, that's awesome. Now, um, you know, of course, Joe and I are both born and raised here in New Jersey, so it's our home state, and uh, I was just telling him on the way in that I, I want to I want to move to a place where it's not so cold. But you know, you're representing you're representing the state, and of course, you have the, the Miss USA pageant. Uh, is that? Mm-hmm. I believe it's in June. Am I correct? Well, last year it was in June, but up to now there's not a, an official date. But I'm hoping it's in June since June is my birthday. So if I win Miss USA, that will be like an early birthday gift. Oh, wow. When, when's your birthday? June 23rd. Oh, wow. My birthday is June 11th. Uh, what, are the, what are the odds there? Um, it's a great oh, month, you're a cancer? That's no, your no. Sign? Association of America. 
So um, being Miss New Jersey, you know, it, it, it opens many, many doors. And I know that when I win Miss USA, it will open even more doors. And I'm just really, really happy. And I suggest pageants to every girl that wants to, you know, accomplish something and have a dream and become a pageant girl from there on, maybe an actor or an actress. Well, somebody's pretty confident. You didn't say if I win. You said when I win Miss USA. Yeah. yeah. Now, now <laughs> hopefully I do. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, then you can come back on our show and, uh, you know, talk about that. But uh, Olivia Coppola, who, who was uh, Miss Rhode Island and then, of course, Miss USA, and now she's uh, Miss Universe. I mean, is that something, being, of course, of Hispanic, Dominican descent, do you sit there and say, you know, that's what you you're, you hope? Or are you just saying, like, oh, let me take this one step at a time and uh, win Miss USA and then go from there? Um. Well, when I... Let's say when I do win Miss USA, I'll go to Miss Universe, and if I don't, if I win or not, I I will still be a win at the same time. Right. Um, but um, it's, how can I say? It's just you know, it will be in, it will be great anyways. Right, right. Now, Labelle, you talked about the two charities. Uh, why don't you just uh, tell the pure gold audience what the two charities entail? Like you said, St. Jude. And I forget the other one. Yeah, the Biffer Association of America. Yes, please explain those two charities to us. Um, St. Jude's, just because um, I have two cousins who were diagnosed with cancer about four years ago. Um, and then the Spina Bifida, because um, I have a sister who, well, my older sister, uh, she has Spina Bifida. And um, it's something that, you know, I, I want people to be, to be more aware about. It's, it's a really uh, serious matter. And, you know, I was just I would just like to, you know, have a helping hand and, you know, help all those people in need and, you know, become a voice. Wow. You know, it, it's interesting because uh, we had Miss New, not Miss, from your, your pageant circuit, we had Miss New Jersey from the Miss America circuit, um, Briella Costa, a few months back. And, you know, she was Miss New Jersey a couple of years ago. And she was dealing with autism. And I always find that interesting. I mean, you know, she was, that was her, that was her, um, that was what the uh, the organization that she was going after. And, and of course, the, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the two the two different charities. That was her charity. I always find it interesting people's reasoning for supporting these charities. Now, of course, yours, you mentioned that it that it hits close to home. Um, can you tell us, being Miss? Well, first of all, tell the audience you were crowned. What was it back in October? How long have you been Miss New Jersey? Uh, I've been Miss New Jersey since October twenty first. Okay, so a couple of months. Now, have you been able to bring more awareness to these uh, to these charities? I mean, you know, what what what's happened since you became Miss New Jersey a few months back? Well, everything becomes, you know, a process, um, but um, I haven't yet worked with any of either organizations, but um, once, you know, I received uh, the letter from my coordinator and everything, then we will start, but those are just two organizations I would love, love, love to work with and, you know, spread awareness about both. Let me ask you this question. Joe, Joe, my co-host, I mentioned to you, you know, what doors does it open? Do you think, and this is a question I always like asking, do you think there's a negative or have you encountered anything negative from uh, being in beauty pageants or being, um, you know, Miss New Jersey? Again, it's only been a couple of months, but is there anything, uh, bad experiences or things that, that have happened to you or has it all been pretty much positive? No, not really. I haven't had, like, any bad experience or, uh, you know, in, if I, any time I encounter, like, any, like, negative or positive thing, I always try to, like, you know, to put it, like, in a positive perspective and just keep and move forward. All right. I have another question. Um, and this, this I don't think I've ever asked any of our contestants, but I'm just curious. Uh, being, you know, uh, 
beauty pageant winner, Miss New Jersey, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it, it comes with the title of prestige. Now, I don't know if you have a boyfriend, if you're dating or not, but when, when in that in that area, in the, the area of dating, does, does that intimidate people when people find out that you're, you know, a beauty pageant winner? Oh, my goodness. Because, hey, let's be honest, most women don't do that. You know, you're one of a, a few number, considering how many women are out there, that can mm-hmm. say she's a beauty pageant winner. It, is that you, Does people find that intimidating? I don't think so. I I don't think I I intimidate anyone. I, I just feel like I'm like any ordinary person trying to pursue, you know, a, a dream and, and a career. So I don't think it does intimidate anyone. The one thing you mentioned, I think. good. I mean, I mean, it's, people shouldn't be intimidated, but I can definitely see Dave's point of view. Um, you know, I I probably personally have a tough time coming up to a, a beauty pageant winner. Uh, and asking them how they just uh, it would be intimidating at first. Uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, but you had mentioned that you became uh, Miss New Jersey back on October 21st, uh, a week before Hurricane Sandy hit. Have you been able to now go throughout the state of New Jersey and just uh, show your support to the different parts that got really hit hard? Um, no, I, I haven't had a chance to do so. Um, as of yet, but I am planning to. Um, you know, as being Miss New Jersey and representing the state of New Jersey, I think it will be really nice just to go to all those people that were hit really hard by Hurricane Sandy and just, you know, tell them, you know, just support them that everything's going to be okay and just help them in anything that they will need. Was your area of New Jersey hit hard? Uh, well, close to um, in Perthamboy, it hit really, really badly. Um, it was crazy. It was really, really crazy. Wow. Um, and then yeah. I didn't have life for about like a week. I didn't have cable, no phone, no nothing. Yeah. It was, that was for us. Yeah. It, we're up here in the north, that was probably the toughest part. I, you know, me personally, it was, it was difficult. Um, it not was. having heat or anything like that was pretty tough. I, we ended up, you know, my wife and my, my daughter, we ended up staying in a friend's house, a uh, friend of the family. So that was probably the hardest thing for us. But, of course, so many people were affected so much worse than, than we were. So I guess, you know, you have to be grateful for that. Well, that yes, me, yes. Definitely. What kind of, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, what what obligations do you have as Miss New Jersey? What do you have to do in the, the year that you are Miss New Jersey um, that, you know, people probably don't know about that you have to do? Well, being Miss New Jersey, um, you know, I, I have to uh, attend events. I have photo shoots. Um, we work with organizations. Preparing for Miss USA is like the most important uh, part of it. Um, training, you know, like in the gym, makeup and hair and the whole entire thing. Um, it's just a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work, and that's what people don't know. That it's a hard, it's a lot of work. It's not just a pretty face and makeup and a crown and a sash. There's more to that. Now, you mentioned that how there's there's more to it. Um, do you think that beauty pageants get portrayed in a negative light in terms of media or in terms of people's perception of them? Um, in a way, I I do think so because, you know, like people just think that we're just a beauty a beauty pageant queen, like we're that we, you know, walk around with makeup and hair and a crown and a sash, and that we, you know, don't care as much. That's that's what I think, but we're not really like that. We're just like any ordinary person trying to pursue, you know, a dream in life that you do the best that you can because being Mr. New Jersey is not just a title, it's also a job. Right, right, of course. And, you know, again, we've had women from all different states and, you know, we've had Miss USA's on and, you know, we're always reaching out because it's just such a it's interesting to get different perspectives and 
so many women who may be listening to this show always find it fascinating because, of course, you know, here we talk about everything. We talk about sports, life, everything in between, and, and this is one of those things that it covers. Now, um, mm-hmm. you know, as we as we close out here, Bell, tell us um, two questions. Well, well, one question, and then I'll, I'll follow that up. Um, when you when you look at, of course, this year, when you look at everything you have to do, um, is there at the end of your at the end of your run at the end of you know Miss New Jersey you know hopefully again Miss mm-hmm. USA and, and and all these different things that you're hoping for yeah. what would you tell uh, an aspiring girl somebody who is you know going through the motions or somebody who who has an interest in beauty patterns what would you tell them? Um, I would tell any girl that's interested in you know uh, taking part in a beauty pageant um, to do it. Um, that it really helps you so much. You grow, it, you know, you meet new people, um, you you experience so many things, you learn from yourself also. Like I've learned so many things of myself that I never knew. Um, and it's 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 a beautiful thing. I think that beauty pageant, is, it's great. Like it helps you with everything. Right, and uh, the last thing that I just want to go before we, we, we let you go, Lee Bell, tell the fans, tell the audience out there listening, again, you know, you're reaching the Newark area, you're reaching North Jersey, uh, you know, and all over the world. How can they keep in touch with you, and, and how can they follow you and your, your career and your path to become Miss New Jersey and Miss Universe and everything else? Of course. Well, everyone can follow me on Twitter. I have uh, my personal account, and then I have the Miss New Jersey account. Uh, that's at Real Miss New Jersey, NJ, USA. And then mine is LaBelle underscore Duran. Um, also on Instagram, Real Miss NJ USA 2013. And on Facebook, at Real Miss New Jersey USA. Well, and thank you so much, LaBelle. And, uh, you know, we, we, of course, wish you nothing but the best. And I mentioned earlier, you know, Miss USA, Miss Universe. Hopefully we'll be able to have you on again. And, uh, you know, just. Of course. And next time I'll go visit you guys. And, you know, maybe we could take pictures and have a good time. Oh, that, that would be awesome. Uh, listen, we thank you again so much. But it so was really much. nice. And, you know, thank you so much for having me on air, David and Joe. Kisses to you both. Thank you so much for having me. And um, it's been a, a pleasure to speak to, to both. Same here. Thank, thank you. you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day. You too. Bye. Folks, that was the one and only real Miss New Jersey, folks, USA 2013. We both ran, and I don't know why I said real Miss New Jersey. I guess because of her Twitter handle. But uh, it was a pleasure talking to her. You know, she's, I could tell that she was Hispanic. I just kind of want to throw it out there again. We, this is a high Portuguese, Hispanic uh, community, and I just kind of want to throw it out there so she would basically uh, let us know. Um. You know that our lawyers are uh, knocking at the door when you said something about, like, we are about sports life and everything in between. <laughs> yeah, Dino Costas coming after us. Um, I, I threw that out there because that's an homage to our, our old show, the way that we used to do things. But, sir, uh, again, it was a pleasure talking to her. It's always cool to talk to somebody from the local area because even though nobody's ever from this part of New Jersey, uh, you know, it's great having her on. And, of course, we have actress Michelle all about the money in a few minutes. But, sir, I'd like to touch on something here. We have a couple other notes. Um, Stan the Man, Musial, and Earl Weaver, two Hall of Famers, two all-time greats, both died. The interesting thing is that I found out because of my wife, who's not a sports fan at all, but she had, do you know who Stan the Man, you know, uh, I think she mispronounced his name. And then, of course, the Earl Weaver thing I told her about. Sarah, two legendary great baseball men, uh, older, of course, but uh, what are the odds, sir? Stan the Man. Um, funny story I heard about him on the radio uh, a couple of days ago is that he signed a $65 a month contract with the Cardinals when he first um, 
became a carnal, which is interesting. Sixty-five dollars a month. That's uh, sixty-five dollars a month. Something like that. Holy crow! Yeah. And the thing about Earl Weaver, I mean, I know that he was a great. Earl the Pearl and always Earl the Pearl. <laughs> I know he was a great, uh, you know, Baltimore Oriole coach. But did you did you hear? Sadly, he died on a cruise <laughs> with. Uh, it was a Baltimore Oriole fan club. Oh my gosh! Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, and he died on the cruise. So that's hard. Oh my gosh! That is that's gotta be the worst experience of somebody's life. It's uh, unfortunate. Oh man, that's terrible. He's like ninety something years old. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. Unfortunate that he did pass away on a pleasure cruise, a Baltimore fan club cruise. So um, you know, as always, thoughts and prayers go out to the family. Uh, unfortunately, um, he did pass away on a cruise. Yeah, that that's. Uh, sorry. I didn't know that. You know, I tweeted, uh, what's her name? Uh, sorry, Morgan Woolard, who, uh, you know, is from that area. She met Stan the Man Musical. She was a big fan of his, et cetera, et cetera. So I tweeted out to her to see how she was coping with it. And, you know, she got back to me, of course. But um, it's, it's terrible about the, it's really terrible about Stan. It is. We got some nuggets before, what, the 7 o'clock hour? And then I want to just talk about the Royal Rumble in depth as much as we can. Right after Michelle, all about the money. This man would love this interview because, you know, he always says it's all about the money, sir. Um, some other things that uh, are on the rundown sheet here are that the NHL is now underway. They're about two or three games into the season. And um, the Rangers are 0-2, which is great to see. The Devils are 2-0. and <laughs> Of course you hate uh, the Rangers. <laughs> what are the Islanders? The are Islanders. they eliminated from playoff contention yet? <laughs> They're 1-1. One one. They they lost to the Devils on opening day, and then they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, so, you know, the season is not that long, so every game does count, obviously, definitely, maybe. But, uh, you know, the more and more that the Rangers keep losing, the the better it is for me. Sir, it's two games. Get a, get a clue, seriously. <laughs> I know. They're playing tonight. Uh, if they lose again at home, the, the pressure goes up. Let me ask you, as a, as a big hockey fan big. that you are, um, <laughs> right. do you, you like the fact that uh, it's a playoff atmosphere? I mean, basically, that, that's what everybody keeps talking about, less than 50 games, 48-game schedule. 46, 45 games left. Um, do you like the way they're doing it? I mean, should, they probably never will because of loss of revenue, but should they shorten the hockey season? Because I know you've told me that you've, you've mentioned to me that the season's way too long, it doesn't matter, and all people care about is playoffs. Well, think about it this way, sir. Each conference has 15 teams, and out of those 15 teams, eight teams make the playoffs. Wow, that's crazy. That's more than 50%. So, uh, yeah, I think you just get the eighth seed. And the Kings, the LA Kings last year showed that you get the eighth seed, you get you know you get on fire, you you, you have a good goalie, and you you get some goal scoring, and you could win the cup. Just get into the playoffs, sir. That's, playoffs? That's it. The NHL playoffs. You just get in, and you have a chance to win. Especially like I said, if you have a hot goal, um, you know, especially your power, your power play. If that that's the playoffs. What are yeah, about? playoffs. Playoffs? I want you kidding me? Playoffs? Yeah, the playoffs. <laughs> I love that sound bite. It is a great, it is a great sound bite. I think Jim Moore is uh, working for another team. I forget what, but I think he's out there somewhere. Yep. So that you know, the uh, hockey season is just underway, and it's going to be a fast and fury uh, to get to the finish because there's only 48 games. Every game does count. It's almost like a playoff game every night. Uh, it really is going to take the, its toll on these players. There are some of them are out of shape. Some of them didn't keep in shape on the off season, and now they're playing games. Almost every other night, a lot of back-to-back nights. So, and a belly-to-belly. So I still think that the young teams, if they have a good goalie, and you know, I'm not saying that the Islanders are going to win the Cup this year. I think they have a good shot to make the playoffs, especially since they're young uh, compared to older teams like the Devils, even though I think the Devils, the way they've played the last couple of games already, uh, look like they're a playoff contender. Uh, without Zach Parisi, it should be interesting to see how they do. But, 
you know, Martin Brodeur never gets old, apparently. It's, he recorded his 112th uh, career shutout. Interestingly enough, to celebrate his 112th birthday, sir, I mean, Martin <laughs> Martin Brodeur is old. Happy birthday, dirt. Martin. And, oh. you know, we're only, like, what, like three or four blocks away from the, the rock, so... Uh, if yes, Mark if Martin ever wants to come in and talk about his career, uh, we'd be more than happy to have him, even yeah. though I'm an Islander fan. Oh, of course, I, I I don't care. I have any of these guys. I mean, we mentioned this the other day with Nelson, uh, Tim Raines, Gary Templeton, anyone from the from who's here, who's a part of the, any of the teams here in the New Jersey area, we'd love it. Of course, the Nets are gone, but you know they're doing great, by the way. Good segue. Well, let's get into some basketball talk. Let's. You know what's interesting about the basketball season, and uh, maybe it's shame on me for not knowing this, but. You you basically in each uh, division you know you only play each other four times and the next the Brooklyn Nets and the Knicks are already done playing each other for the year they split the series but sir it's only January and these two teams are done playing each other it's a little what, weird what do you think that is why do you think that is I don't know I I figured they they should each play each other at least six times I I don't know what about four times in the division it seems a little too uh too little well when you look at baseball and the teams end up playing each other like eighteen different times. Right, yeah. And, yeah, baseball's twice as long, but that's four times as many games. Right, so, you know, you have the Brooklyn Nets, who uh, has been surprisingly good so far. You, well, when they fired uh, Avery Johnson, which I didn't think it was a good idea at the time. I couldn't imagine why they fired him so early into the season. But P.J. Carlissimo, who was the former coach of my alma mater, uh, Seton Hall, and he ended up taking them to the Final Four back in 1989, uh, which they should have won the championship by the way that year. They still got screwed. But... Nevertheless, and of course in the Newark area and Newark and South Orange, uh, close neighbors, they got a, they got PJ in there near eleven and two now. So I mean that's definitely a case where you can't argue the coaching change has made an amazing difference. It really has, and uh, some people will let you believe that Deron Williams wanted Avery Johnson out, just like he wanted Jerry Sloan out in, in Utah. So you start to wonder if he's the problem child in the locker room. But anyway, the Nets are eleven and two under PJ. They're playing great, but your your Knicks sir have had a great season so far. I know we're about halfway through, or a little bit past halfway, uh, but this team, the the Knicks, the the Heat, and you know the um, the Knicks, the Nets, and the Heat are teams that are really going to be um, strong contenders, in my opinion. Unlike my team, sir, the Boston Celtics, who just can't get out of their way lately. They they've lost five in a row again, and they're back to being five hundred. Um, I have a bet against with Vic, by the way, who has seen tickets to the Celtics. Hey, whatever happened to Vic? Is he still up in uh, Bellevue? Or wait, no, uh, was it Betty Ford, Betty White? Where yeah, is he? he'll call in uh, as we get closer to the end of the season because he wants to talk about his Penguins and his Celtics. Oh, uh, hell, we're not talking, we are not talking <laughs> hockey with Vic. We only talk about his medication and basketball. That's it. Well, we lost our hockey representative, as you know. Uh, oh, yeah, our, our old scum. <laughs> I don't even want to get, let's not even get into that, but this person who. Uh, I have no love loss for pray for his uh, eternal soul, but that's about it. Not a fan of his. What he did was was uh, worse than what Salicata did. Right. So the Celtics, they look old again. Kevin up and slump. Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. But the, the one thing that the the biggest topic in the NBA right now, besides the, I guess the next the Knicks and the Nets, is the fact that the Lakers cannot get you know. Can I get to a 500 uh, record? What are they, four games under 500? No, they're about six or seven games under 500. Kobe Bryant always has a little Kobe. has a little crying fest, which I love. I, you know, he calls his team an embarrassment. Well, Dwight, well they are an embarrassment. Sir, did you see uh, Dwight Howard? Mike was talking today, and I know you were always telling me to turn on the show. They're, they're shopping him already. They're shopping already. Uh, How is that possible? They just got him. Uh, you know, there are X amount of games into the season. How many games have passed, sir, so far? I think they're a little bit past halfway. I think they're about 47, 48 games in. Well, halfway into his first year with the team or whatever, they're going to trade him. That's crazy. And you see what a cancer he is. I, I got so pissed and furious 
My cousin, uh, oh, congratulations, by the way, Vanessa, on the pregnancy. My cousin, Vanessa, <laughs> You wait, you're pissed that she's pregnant? No, 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 I love her. She's oh, awesome. Okay. I'm happy she's pregnant. No, my, my cousin is awesome. Yeah. Uh, one of my, probably my favorite, but I can't sit down in here because my other cousin's right here. Um, <laughs> now, she and I have a, you know, being a Spanish, a huge family. Huge. Um, anyway, so she's a huge Orlando Magic fan because that's where she lives. And um, she, you know, was, was upset with Dwight Howard, et cetera, et cetera. But what he did to Stan Van Gundy, getting him fired, et cetera, and then eventually being forcing his way off the team – and now he's being a scum sucker over in over in uh, Los Angeles. I mean, this guy who's got all the talent in the world is a total teenage dirtbag. For me, the bottom line is, and I know this sounds very anal, is that the Celtics are the storied franchise. They have 17 NBA titles. The Lakers are right behind yeah, the Yeah, that, that's all you care about is the titles. <laughs> that's all I care about. It's all about the title, all about the money. Oh, about the money. And on the, other side, on the other side of the hour, at 7 o'clock hour, we'll have the money, Michelle money. Of course, and uh, as we get ready to uh, read the, the sponsor, um, I just want to throw that out there again. Since Joe did it the first time, let me do it here, folks. You must be hungry. Yeah, I am. Actually, I'm starving. As we reach the uh, – we need to get some catering in here. We need to get Iberius to just cater this, this place because Agreed. I am starving. And uh, coming here from my, my day job, which this should be – it should be that should be part-time. This should be full-time. Definitely. But, folks, for the finest Portuguese and Spanish cuisine, we have two great places for you, the Iberia Restaurants in Newark, New Jersey, and they're both located very conveniently for our, our radio station here on Merchant Street. The Iberia Tavern, which is on 80 Ferry Street in Newark, and the Iberia Peninsula, which is 63 Ferry Street. There are two restaurants with fine dining, two restaurants with the freshest seafood, the oldest Portuguese and Spanish restaurants in the community, serving the best food since 1926. Cater your next event event with the Iberia Restaurant. There's free parking. You can stay in Newark. This is our website at www.iberiarestaurants.com. I don't even think we need to do the whole www thing, but we always do that. And, folks, um, of course, uh, we got to play a little soundbite here before Live we Live from 1640 AM Ironbound Radio in Newark, New Jersey, this is Pure Gold with your hosts, David and Joe. Welcome back, folks. And I just want to say, sir, before you introduce her, Vince McMahon should be listening because right now it's all about the money. Who do we have on? For our second guest tonight. Folks, we are excited. We are proud and privileged to be joined by actress Michelle Money, the incomparable Michelle. How are you doing this evening? Oh, my gosh. You guys are so nice. <laughs> You're so nice to have me on, first of all. Well, no, Loving the intro. We appreciate Loving you. Loving the intro. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you being nice <laughs> enough to join us on the show. And, and you know, if, if I know you haven't, but if anybody who's listening out there has ever listened to the show, I like to, you know, we like to make the guests feel good, so... My intros are usually over the top, but Michelle, we really appreciate having you um, on the show because it's uh, you know it's an honor and a privilege for us. Now let me let me just throw this out there to the fans. I first came across Michelle and her work in a film that for some reason they switched the name of it. My wife and I purchased it at the uh, Family Christian Bookstores, and it's called Heaven Can Wait. And we had no idea what the title makes no sense when you look at the rest of the movie. Uh, it, it made no sense, but at the time when you were in it. And you filmed it. It was called Midway to Heaven, which makes more sense because that's how the movie starts with that explanation. But, Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about that movie? Yeah, yeah. So that was actually, um, oh, I just loved filming that. That was, like, my first lead role. And, you know, I'm from I'm from Utah. And Utah is, you know, primarily, like, you know, um, Mormon-based, um, lots of Christians, Mormons in, in this town. So a lot of Mormon films are made here. And so... Um, we actually filmed two versions of this movie, which is why there are two titles. Midway Midway to Heaven is like has a few like Mormon references to it, 
And then we have um, the other one that is just more like Christian based. Like Heaven is Waiting is just more Christian based. So, but um, my role is uh, you know um, Carol Holly, and she's just like this single woman who meets this guy who's kind of just gone through a really hard time in his life, has lost his wife. And has a hard time kind of moving on, and, and it's just kind of a love story. It's kind of like a family, friendly, warm, kind of a makes you feel good kind of movie. No, it definitely is. And uh, again, you know, of course, I I saw the movie, and it was good stuff. Now, how did you end up landing the the part of uh, of Carol in the in the film? You know, I actually um the lead role, Kurt Dowsett. He um is a friend of mine, and we've done some work um before. Uh, we're both Utah locals, and we've done a few scenes in the past. And, and so he actually got the part initially, and um, and my and then I just kind of came up through conversations. He's like, you know, I think you should read for this part. And and um, after reading through um, the script, you know, I was kind of concerned because I didn't. I mean, I'm I'm 32 years old, but the role of Carol Holly is like in her early 40s. Oh, wow. And I was like, well. I don't know. I, I mean, I can try to pull off like early forties. Like, you know, that was really the the only concern. And um, so anyway, I read the director, and, and he, you know, he was really happy. But it was kind of his concern too. I mean, just kind of, you know, what we, he just he felt good about it. We went with it, and um, you know, we we pulled it off. And and you know, I just got lucky. I really did. I got lucky. No, you, you definitely pulled it off. And uh, to be honest with you, we're basically the same age couple months older than me, I guess, but when I looked at this film, I, I didn't think about the age of the character. Obviously, the, the guy, you know, Kurt, who who's the main character, the actor in the movie, his his daughter puts him at, at a different age bracket because she's probably like 20-something, uh, early 20s, right. and of course, you know, so yeah, he's in his 40s. So it never dawned on me. I figured you were probably someone oh, that's good. That's based, good on, <laughs> based on the character. Now, what I found <laughs> what I found interesting is I'm watching this movie with my wife. And then all of a sudden, that you know, your your um, profile on the fake dating website was like a hot jogger or something. And I was like, really? I yeah. actually thought you were going to be a bad character in the movie when I first saw you. Like, I thought you were going to be some, like, evil witch-type character who, like, ruins this guy's Why life. Why do you think that? Because when you're introduced and his, you know, the whole thing at the beginning with him, I'm like, oh, I don't know if she's good or not. But as it went on, I even told my wife. But as it went on, I said, okay, so she is, you know, she's the real deal. And you have that whole conflict with the other guy that you're always with. So we thought you were just, like, dating around and, you know, just uh, doing all these, I see, I see. Doing all these terrible things. Uh, but obviously you end up being a great character in, in the film. Now, uh, yeah. like I mentioned, you know, when I bought the film, uh, I loved it. I thought you did a great job. Me personally, um, I hate Christian films. I don't hate Christian films um, being one. I like the the purpose and the you know, the idea, the basis right, behind right, the movie. Right. But what bothers me, was always bothered me, is that I feel like these films always have to have some terrible tragedy. Like, in this case, the guy's wife dies. and I've never understood that. Of course, like I said, I loved your part. I thought you were great. I, I thought you did a great job in it. Now, you mentioned you, you loved the, the, the movie and everything. What was the experience like making the film? Like, what did you love so much about it, other than, of course, working with your friends? Well, you know, I think for me, you know, a lot just really having that, that big of a role. I mean, that really, I mean, the director really did kind of take a, you know, a risk on me because I, I'd done acting and I'd done, you know, little roles here and there, but, um, to have like a larger, a larger, um, part in the movie was, was, you know, kind of intimidating, but, you know, initially when we started filming, like, it just felt so good. Everyone on set is 
was so amazing. And, you know, there is something, like, about those Christian movies that kind of makes your, like, like your skin crawl. You're just like, oh, I don't know, it's a little cheesy. And so, you know, I like that they took the direction um, with kind of having it a little bit more, not not quite so, um, like, in-your-face religion. Um, it was a little bit more subtle. And I liked the idea of that. But making the film was incredible. I mean, it was... I mean, that's like a bucket list thing for me. It was like, I want to star in a movie, and, you know, so just to be actually doing it was really, especially in Utah. Like, Utah's not a place where there's a lot of opportunity to right. do, like, big roles in movies. And so, you know, I'm I'm in Utah. I have an 8-year-old daughter who's the love of my life, my joy in my life. And, and so I'm here. I'm in Utah, and I'm, you know, doing what I can here, but... You know, it was kind of, it was just a blessing all in all. It was really just right. like a, a really wonderful experience. And and I I was really, truly just very lucky to well, get Michelle, Right. Michelle, like, uh, let's not upset Dave anymore. He doesn't like the fact that you died <laughs> in Midway no, 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 Heaven. No, no, she didn't die. She, oh, she, she didn't die. Okay. She was the, uh, see, Joe didn't watch the movie, but of course I did. She uh, she replaced, I guess you could say, the, the guy's wife. Who, the guy's wife passed away. And then she's the hot jogger who becomes, the, you know, I think eventually they, they lead you to believe, but, uh, you know, they end up getting uh, hitched, as it were. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Very nice. Well, how about some other movies that you've worked on, Michelle? What has been uh, any other movies that you've worked on? Like, Tell us what, you know, the best one that you've worked you on. You know, this uh, Midway to Heaven has, you know, kind of been the biggest thing. But I've done a lot of local stuff here in Utah, and the 11th Hour, the um, for Beginners, Legend of Austin, I mean, just random things. I've done, you know, commercial stuff for a long time. And then, you know, it was ironic because when I um, was filming Midway to Heaven, that's when I got, I found out that I was going to go be on The Bachelor. So literally the day after I wrapped from filming, I left to go film The Bachelor. Wow. And it was it was crazy. So it was all these things were happening all at once. Like oh my gosh! And then you know I left and I filmed I filmed The Bachelor and it was like such an amazing experience. It was so fun and incredible people and you know I like came back from from filming and I was like so proud of myself and I felt like I really like was you know true to who I am and 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 handled situations so great and. And that was being, and I was so excited for the movie to, you know, come out, and the timing was so perfect, and then the show started airing. Well, <laughs> and it wow. was like, um, who's that girl? Like, the, I don't know who that girl is. That's not me. Like, <laughs> the, like the edit, the edit that I got was really brutal. They were bad. They were. Really You're talking bad. about on The Bachelor. Yeah, on The Bachelor. Now let and me ask. So, Sorry, um, let, let me ask you, Michelle, what uh, what led you to do that show? Like, wh- why end up on The Bachelor? I mean, I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine you have trouble getting dates or anything like that. So, so why go on The Bachelor? Oh my gosh, you have no idea how hard it is for me to get a freaking date around here. It's crazy. Well, you know, like, for me, it was main, like I was married for five years. I got divorced, and I've been single at that time for like you know three years, and. You know, the opportunity came about, and it was kind of like, you know, what are the chances that I'm going to end up with this guy? Mm, I don't know. Like, there's not a real good success rate, but, you know, more than anything, it's an, it's an amazing experience, and hopefully it will open the door to me other, other someone else that I could potentially end up with because, 
you know, for me kind of being limited in Utah and, you know, I I, I grew up Mormon, but I, I don't practice the religion now, but I have a very deep love and respect for it, but I don't, I don't practice it. Whereas, so, so where it's like kind of primarily Mormons, it's hard to date here. It's hard to date. And, and so for me, it was like, why not? You know, it was more like just an experience that, you know, and I'm so glad I did it. I mean, even after I got a pretty bad rap from Bachelor. I mean, Bachelor Pad was a lot better, but it was just kind of a great opportunity for me. Did you uh, guys watch? Don't lie uh, to me. Did you guys watch? The, uh, did you guys watch the Bachelor? No. I, I didn't watch. I, I got to ask you though, and let us uh, let our audience know what's the difference between the Bachelor and the Bachelor Pad. Oh my gosh, I'm talking to a bunch of amateurs here, aren't I? Um, well, no, in ter- you no. legitimately okay. Wait, so have you never seen the Bachelor? I, I oh watched, yeah, we've seen the show. I, I know, we know yeah. what it is, obviously, but okay. um, it's it's. I tell you the truth, it's not my kind. I I have a problem with it. I have a problem with with with, with uh, the whole idea of the show. Um, I mean, dating is fine. I have no issue with that, but just kind of like the way it's set up. But um, it, it's not that we it's not that we don't know what the Bachelor is. Obviously, everybody knows. Everybody's heard of it. Everybody's seen it. But I had never heard of the honestly, as someone who doesn't watch it, I'd never See, heard of the Bachelor. Pad, Bachelor Pad is way more like intense and fun and cool. It's a game. It's, it's pretty much a game show. It's like you know all the fan favorites from prior seasons of The Bachelor and Bachelorette come together and you're competing for money for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So there's there's competitions. You get voted out. Like, but at the same time, you're like, you know. You know, kind of having these relationships with people, like you're you're building relationships with you know different people. So just kind of like a dating, um, like money making game combined. It's like you should watch it. It's good TV. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I can't argue with anything that you're saying, Michelle, especially with your last name. Uh, I want to get paid. I want to get the money. So you know, we've got to make sure that we listen to Michelle. Dave, have you taking some notes here? Yeah, of course. No, I absolutely. Uh, oh you know, gosh. watch more, watch more Bachelor, and uh, watch more, watch find uh, Michelle's episodes online. You mentioned that you were uh, cast in a bad light. Why do you think that is? Is it because you know you're you intimidated the other women? I mean, why do you think that is? No, you know what I think. I think you know, I'm very um, I am more like confident. I'm more direct. I'm more um. N- you know, I just kind of say it like it is, and I'm not, I'm not super filtered. Um, but in this, and I, and I kind of think I'm funny, and I think that I'm, I think I probably think I'm funnier than I really am. Turns uh, out you are funny, Michelle. But, I'm, la- I'm um, laughing, Michelle. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of my humor and kind of dry sarcasm kind of got cut and sliced and turned into more of a more of like a predator, more of like so aggressive, <laughs> so in your face, so right. like which was hard. I mean it was it was hard. It was it was like oh my god like every scene I was in was like sliced and diced and cut so differently than what really happened. And you know, I know that's part of just what you have to it's part of what you sign up for, you know, when you when you go on these reality shows there is that risk that they can edit you, but I did not know what they were capable of. Right. And tell, I mean, I, and at the same time, like, I Yeah, yeah, we're listening. You still there? Oh, it just got, it just got really fuzzy. Um, yeah. Oh, there we go. 
Um, in the same in the same breath, like uh, you know, I always take responsibility for my actions and who I am, and and I won't side from that or or anything. And so, you know, I I won't. I I am a confident, direct woman, but that's something that I'm proud of, and it's something that when you um when you do spice and dice something up, it can come off as being really abrasive and really um, overly aggressive. I agree with you, Michelle, and my humor is dry, too. Which is what happens. <laughs> I think we'd get along great, Michelle, I'll be honest with you. Oh, no, would you shut up and answer that question, please? <laughs> no one cares about you, you know, harassing our guests. Can you please move on? My to sense it? of humor is so dry that the Sahara Desert... Your sense of humor is terrible. Oh. Let's be honest. It, it sucks, Michelle. Michelle, tell us honestly, truthfully, and, uh, you know, here on Pure Gold, definitely. You also have a, a YouTube channel. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, me and my very best friend, Laura Armstrong, um, we started a YouTube channel and started it like a year and a half ago, and it's basically um, a a channel where we give, like, beauty tips, tricks. Laura is, like, a master esthetician. I am, like, a licensed hairstylist, makeup artist. We've both been in the industry for over 12 years, and so we teamed up and kind of started doing these, like, video tutorials on, you know, specific looks, like makeup, hair, fashion, fitness, and um, we've we've really had a lot of success with, um, you know, people really kind of, you know, lots of subscribers and views, and people have really enjoyed it, and it's been so much fun to do. And you know, our goal with this is really to to kind of use, you know, like our voice and this platform that that kind of I've been given through the things that I've I've done to to help empower women and to help them feel, you know, confident, you know, in them and, and to help them, you know, realize that yeah, like you know, everyone wants to feel beautiful. Everyone wants to feel comfortable in their own skin and, and so mm-hmm. we want to help people really feel um like they you know, help them with tricks to help them feel beautiful so that they're not so focused and like, you know, um, uncomfortable in their own skin so that they can go out in the world and they can serve others and they can put their focus on, on more important things than, like, worrying about if your lipstick shade is the right color. And right. so, you know, we've kind of taken this project on as, like, you know, a, a really great way to kind of reach out to women. And, and I mean, through our videos, we, we really, I mean, it's, we don't take ourselves very seriously. We're It's kind of like a train wreck most <laughs> of the time. Tell. I was watching today, yeah. and uh, it, it was just, it was definitely a train. What I saw was a total train wreck, and I'm like, wow, this woman's gonna be on our show tonight. I wonder how that's gonna go. Oh but man! You, you know, you can tell oh, you're yeah. having fun, and it reminded me to a, a much lesser extent because you and your friend were like totally off the wall. It was, it was like a best of or something that I was watching, and I noticed the amount of viewers that you've had. I mean, you've had over two thousand, two million, and some change, like two and a quarter million, you know, views. That's amazing, and of course you said your celebrity and things that you know you've been able to promote. I think you need to give my uh, co-host here some beauty tips because uh, you know he, I think he's feeling a little less than beautiful right now. We were talking. About. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's got some issues, but we'll we talk about that off there. Now, uh, Michelle, yeah, are there <laughs> are there any other projects that you're uh, you're working on? Anything? I mean, when are you going to be in a, in a new feature film? I mean, when is Michelle going to be all about the money? That's what we want to know here. Uh, I have so many things I'm working on, but I. If I told you, I would have to kill you. And so far, I really like you. And so I don't really think I want to kill you quite yet. Well, yeah. <laughs> you can kill my co-host. No, Michelle's not going to kill me. She's not going to kill me for that. That being said, I do have I do have some projects I'm working on that are just, like, 
finally coming to fruition that, you know, um, yeah, that we'll, you'll hopefully be seeing more of me on television and, and we're working on a few things. And But other than that, you know, I'm a mom. Like, I've got my 8-year-old. Like, I do hair. I work at a salon here in Utah. It's basically just being a mom. And I, I've got my YouTube channel and doing hair. And, and then, you know, Major, I'm just kind of here, like, but, I mean, there's nothing not there's nothing really exciting about me. Well, I I disagree with that because you definitely you know do a great interview and you know Michelle we, we thank you so much for joining us and before we let you go of course um so you can go do your you know what moms have to do take care you know cook food all that other stuff for your daughter. Earn some money. Uh, now tell us how can the fans get a hold of you? Say that again. How can the fans keep in touch with you? Get a hold of you? Uh, go out on dates oh, with yeah, you? I, how, can, how does that work? Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm a, I'm on Twitter. Um, Money Michelle is my Twitter handle, and then I have um, my YouTube channel is the M M and L Show, as in Michelle mm-hmm. Money and Lara Show. And you know, and then I'm on Facebook and Instagram, oh, and I, Instagram. You know, oh. I know, right? Do, or do you guys do Instagram? No, no. We, my wife has been trying to get me into Instagram, and I just don't see the point of it. I gotta tell you though, Michelle, and you probably don't want to know this, but um, we don't want to. Well, it, it, it's an interesting tidbit. Oh, I was I was going on Twitter. I already was following you, but at the time I couldn't figure. out. I was trying to tweet something to you. Uh, I think after you had agreed to come on the show, so I started putting your name in, you know, but the the correct way, Michelle Money, and some like porn account comes up. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this? And it was it was a woman who looks nothing like you, but it's your name the correct way. And then I realized that yours is backwards, so it's Money Michelle. Um, but when I looked at that, I was like. Don't wow. do that. I gotta get off this. Yeah, I, I learned that the hard way too. I was like, "Oh my gosh, how is this happening?" Yeah, that, that, that's pretty bad. But uh, listen, Michelle, you know it was a pleasure talking to you. We really appreciate you giving us some time. Uh, oh, you know, thank you so much, you guys. It's my no, pleasure. I really appreciate it. No you guys problem. are awesome. You know, you're you're awesome as well. Hopefully, we'll be able to have you on again in the near future when you're making yeah, a let's billion. Yeah, Michelle, let's do it. Have a wonderful evening and say hi to your friend now, Laura. All right, please. you too. Okay, I will for sure. Thank you, <laughs> Take guys. Take care. Bye. Folks, that was the one and only, the lovely, the talented, all about the money, Michelle Money. <laughs> and remember, when you go on her Twitter handle, make sure it's Money Michelle, not the other way around, because you're going to get in, you're going to be in for a bit of a surprise. I heard her say you guys are awesome. Was that Nikki Boyer's soundbite? No, that, that was not Nikki Boyer's soundbite, but you know what? Nikki will be on with us in two weeks co-hosting the show. Actually, no, I'm sorry, next week. She'll be co-hosting the show, Sarah. She'll be interviewing us. That is going to be interesting. That'll be interesting. As we close out the show tonight on another great Pure Gold. Every uh, episode of Pure Gold is great, sir. We have about 10 minutes to talk about the pay-per-view that's coming up this Sunday, the WWE Royal Rumble. Sir, it's a great pay-per-view, but uh, honestly, definitely maybe, I've been getting bored with the Royal Rumble now that I think about it. I, I told you about this off the air. They have 30 men that come to the ring. Yeah, you lose by getting thrown over the top rope. But after what uh, Kofi Kingston did, Last year with this whole handstand, not it's landing. It's coffee, you idiot. It's not coffee. Yeah, in New Jersey, it's coffee. You're a fool. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you have this whole Royal Rumble thing. I think they need to spice it up now. I mean, I'm getting bored with the Royal Rumble myself. Um, let's go right into the Royal Rumble match itself. Give me three predictions on who's going to win the Royal Rumble this year and make their way to WrestleMania. John Cena. Is my, John Cena or Dolph Ziggler? That's my only prediction. Really? Even though Dolph has a Money in the Bank briefcase, 
One of them. I can't think of anybody else. I hate Sheamus? Sheamus? Sheamus O'Shaughnessy? I don't think so. Did he win last year? No, he's not going to win again. I think that um, from what I've been reading, and I hate this, despise it, detest it, but yeah. supposedly they're looking for to book Rock Cena again but for the title this time. So, Horrible. So that segues, okay, uh, my, I mean, I mean, I don't know who to guess is going to win the Royal Rumble. I don't think John Cena is going to win the Royal Rumble. And the reason why I say that is because they always have a pay-per-view in between uh, the WrestleMania and Royal Rumble. They have the Elimination Chamber, so Cena has a chance to win that. You're right, he does, but uh, I can't imagine who else is going to win. You know, I was listening to, um, I was listening to, I forget what website it was, uh, maybe it was Justin LaBar, it was his show yesterday, he was talking about how there's like a gambling website where you can actually gamble on uh, professional wrestling. Can you imagine that, sir? Something that's as rigged as can be, you're gambling on it to see if, and I think the field was, uh, you, you had a choice between John Cena and then everybody else. That, those are your two choices. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that Online Onslaught has this funny game that they play, uh, and there's points involved and everything like that. So, uh, you know, you have to guess who's going to come out next, and you get points for that. But the Royal Rumble itself, uh, I, I guess John Cena could win it. I'm going to say that John Cena doesn't win it and try to... Well, who? Who's going to win it? I mean, there's going to be surprises. You know, New Age Dallas are probably going to show up. I heard Tommy Dreamer is probably going to show up. Um, Nick Foley is going into the Hall of Fame. Hell, maybe Bob Backlund is also going into the Hall of Fame. I mean, I could, long overdue, by the way. I could see somebody like Wade Barrett honestly winning the Royal Rumble. Probably Wade is that Wade is now the IC champion, and you know, I mean, he's he's probably not going to win. So they need to move him up in the, in the atmosphere. Maybe Randy Orton will win, unfortunately. No, I hope Randy Orton does not win the title. I mean, they had this whole like thing to end Raw last uh, couple nights ago that they had almost everybody that is going to participate in the Royal Rumble, just basically fight at the end of the night to make it seem like the Royal Rumble is a good teaser, as they always do before the Royal Rumble. So you have the Royal Rumble match. I'm, I, I don't know who I'm going to pick then. I just don't think John Cena is going to win the Royal Rumble this year. It makes uh, And the commercial that they have this year for the Royal Rumble, sir, if you had regular TV, you'd see that commercial is probably the worst commercial out of them all for the Royal Rumble. It's basically people sitting in a bar talking about the Royal Rumble, and at the very end they show John Cena just grinning and then eating his food again. I mean, the commercial's so bad. <laughs> there, you remember the great commercials they used to have for the Royal Rumble? I do. They used to have the different guys. They had the guys with the wigs. Yeah. And one time it was the uh, the greasers, or the, like a grease type of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, they had that. They, 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 WWE has always made some great commercials back in the day, but I guess they just dropped the ball. So the other main event, the, the main event of the, the night is, besides the Royal Rumble, it's for the WWE title, CM Punk versus Rock. I have not really gotten into this feud. Um, I don't know. I don't know who's gotten the upper hand about it. I don't, I mean, you said they, they want to set up a Rock Cena uh, for the title this time. To me, that's horrendous booking. It is horrible. I agree. I, I don't want to, that match wasn't good the first time. I don't want to see it again. No, uh, CM Punk needs to keep that title. Into, I think he needs to keep it to WrestleMania. And, I agree. And, you know, like you said, what they're probably going to do is Punk will win, and then next month he'll Rock will win, uh, win or something, and he'll lose the title to the Rock or whatever the case is. But, um, you know, it's just, I tell you, when I look at The Rock and Punk, they just don't look like they belong in the same ring. CM Punk is immensely talented, but I don't know. I, he makes Punk look like a teenager, like uh, Kevin Nash said, a fry cook at the Waffle House. <laughs> he said that? Yeah, that's what he when, when he first came back to WWE last year, uh, that's that's pretty much what he looked like. And, you know, again, or it was two years ago, whatever it was, SummerSlam two years ago, um, he, you know, he's good, he's talented, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, I don't know, this feud, like he said, can't really get into it. And uh, we'll have to see where it goes. But uh, I, I saw something tweeted today. It was interesting. Paul Heyman mentioned knocking the WWE title design, but just how much the belt meant. And Stone Cold Steve Austin said, yep, agreed. 
So wait, he's knocking the title, but they they won't let him change the title. Well, no, Paul Heyman was. I guess they won't let Punk because Punk, when he won the title, was saying he was going to change it, and he hasn't. I think it's ridiculous that these guys are still holding on to this belt. It looks idiotic. It's stupid. It's John Cena's belt. Punk, sir, what kind of stroke does Punk have in this company where he's held the belt for 400-some-odd days and he can't change the title? That answer to me is none. Yeah, you're right about that. And there's a, a, a hundred different possibilities you could have. Uh, the one thing that we talked about is potentially – if you want to have streak versus streak, which again, yeah, I, I've actually read that uh, supposedly Undertaker and Punk are going to wrestle. But if Punk doesn't have the title, I don't want to see I don't want to see uh, Taker in a title match. But if Taker doesn't have the title or Punk doesn't have the title, uh, you know, with the streak going on, what's the point of that match? None. They they had a horrible Hell in a Cell a few years ago that we actually went to. Why would we want to see that feud again? If, especially if there's no streak versus streak. Yeah, I mean, you can lock up a, a CM Punk loss to The Undertaker if it, there's no streak versus streak. That's the only intrigue if they have that match. But other than that, uh, you know, we've talked about how CM Punk should fight Stone Cold. The Rock should fight, what, Taker? How amazing would that be if uh, if Taker lost to CM Punk? <laughs> it would be interesting. I mean, you and I would probably be the only guys in the world who would like it, but that would be amazing to me. It would. Uh, the other only other match that they have on car on the card is for the WWE Tag Team Titles. Team Hell oh, No. You forgot the World Heavyweight Championship. Oh right. The Big Show and uh, and Alberto Del Rio, and it's, I think it's the last man standing. It's, from a, it's a rematch. It's the last man standing from the SmackDown. Uh, I don't see how Albert Del Rio does not retain. I think that he does retain. And Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler has made advantage the last two. Uh, he's been in the World Heavyweight Championship match the past two years. He needs to cash in at that pay-per-view. I do want him to cash in in advance, do what Rob Van Dam did to be the second person, but he needs to cash in at this pay-per-view. Well, he's going to be last man saying, you, 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 come on, you're going to tell me that the odds, 99% that Ziggler's not going to cash in on Sunday. Del Rio's going to be spent, he's going to be beat, and then Ziggler's going to come in. Well, sir, I mean, the perfect opportunity for Dolph Ziggler to cash in would have been to make Raw the 20th anniversary show the biggest is to have him interfere or cash in that night after, uh, you know, Del Rio and Big Show fought again. So it would be interesting to see what the Royal Rumble. I, again, I am going on record saying John Cena will not win the Royal Rumble. I think that Albert Del Rio will retain. I think that CM Punk will retain, even though you think The Rock will win. And I think that we need to end the show, sir. All right, sir. Folks, we, we thank you so much for joining us, of course. Uh, special thanks to Lee Bell Duran, Miss in New Jersey, USA 2013. And, of course, the incomparable Michelle mm. Money. It's all about the money. So thankful to her. We thank you listening here in Newark. Make sure to check us out again, com. the greatest show ever, folks. We thank you so much, and of course, make sure you tune in next week at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to check out us with Nikki Boyer, our special co-host, next week. What's the name of your show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. You guys are awesome. Good night, everyone. It's JPG.